Welcome to another episode of What is Black Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Duget. And again, I think we have another wonderful episode. I usually say exciting and great. So I'm going to use a new word or awesome. So it's a wonderful episode today. We have special guest, Dr. Nathan Chomilo, who's a pediatrician. And he's going to talk with us today about his work in early childhood literacy, his links um, to health and health equity, and some great um, tips for books for you and your family, either you as the adult to read or even your kids to read and some great organizations um, to learn more about Reach Out and Read and also to learn about um, addressing race and health equity with your kids. So let's jump right into the show. Hi, everyone. I have a great guest today. Another great guest, Dr. Nathan Tromillo. He practices... Um, general Pediatrics and Internal Medicine in Minnesota. He's also the medical director of the Reach Out and Read program in Minnesota and is the vice president and board member for the Minnesota Doctors for Health Equity. His advocacy work includes the impact early childhood intervention and healthcare access have on the long-term prospects of our children and how physicians and health systems can address racial and health equity. So this is just a sampling of Dr. Tromillo's work or as he is also referred to um, by the kids that he works with, Dr. Nate. So welcome, um, Dr. Nate. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I am I am so pleased that you accepted my invitation. Um, I met Dr. Nate. He, we're, we're both pediatricians, but definitely mm-hmm. through Twitter. I've loved his work on Twitter, especially his work with Reach Out and Read. And as many of our listeners um, are aware, I've started a special segment where I'm actually featuring um, books by African-American authors or authors that are featuring books that have um, main characters or the characters are focused on um, African-American children or black children's experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dr. Um, Dr. Nate, before we before we get started, if you can tell us a little bit more about your work with Reach Out and Read and what Reach Out and Read does. Yeah, so uh, Reach Out and Read is an evidence-based program uh, that's based in pediatric practices. So not only pediatricians, but family medicine uh, providers, um, pediatric nurse practitioners participate in during the well-child check when you your child comes in for their uh, shots and their weight and see how they're doing with their development. The doctor starts the visit between the six uh, between six months and five years. Uh, starts the visit with a book and some guidance on how you can use that book to help build your child's language skills and get them ready to succeed in school. And it's a model that was started almost 30 years ago in Boston uh, by pediatricians and social workers who kind of noticed that uh, a lot of their kids were uh, showing up. They didn't have access to lots of books. They maybe were getting ready to go to kindergarten and they didn't really um, have, know how books worked and weren't really ready to uh, meet their potential. And so they started uh, handing out books, but then took it a step further and have studied it over the last 30 years to see its uh, impact. And uh, it has uh, a strong evidence base that uh, this actually helps change behavior in parents and how frequently they read and how much they like reading at home is one of their favorite family activities. Uh, improves children's vocabulary scores as they get older, um, and it actually in, in improves how often parents bring their children in to get their well-child checks. And so uh, I first got introduced to this my intern year 
Um, so I was like just two weeks in, I was on my behavioral pediatrics rotation and went to this lunch lecture that was given by the then medical director of Reach Out and Read Minnesota. And I had worked a lot with social determinants of health through um, my medical school's SNMA chapter as a medical student. So I was looking for ways that I could kind of start addressing some of the social determinants of health in my practice. And this just made so much sense. I couldn't believe I made it all the way through medical school without hearing that this program existed and that it wasn't the standard of care everywhere. And so I uh, approached the, the speaker at the end of the talk to said, I'm just an intern, but um, I'm really interested in this work. You know, if you guys could ever use an intern or residence perspective, let me know. And about six months uh, later, they were looking for a resident to be on the advisory uh, council for Reach Out Read Minnesota. And uh, I joined. That was uh, now nine years ago. And I've been with them ever since. And uh, I have the honor to serve as a medical director for the last five years now. So and I, this is a very, you know, very important um I think toolbox, tool in the toolbox for pediatricians. But I just wanted to go back a little bit. You mentioned like two, I think two important um, terms or words, one social determinants of health and the SNMA. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, what social determinants of health are and how, what the SNMA is and how it helps you in this role. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so social determinants of health are, uh, how we look at other factors besides our actual health care and our interaction with the health system that uh, impact our health. And most commonly, um, you know, there are things like uh, housing and transportation and uh, education, um, involvement with the criminal justice system, um, nutrition. Uh, so things like that, that, uh, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, it might not seem uh, first nature to be talking about those situations, but they actually have a great impact on your health and up to, um, you know, 20 or sorry, up to 80 percent of our health is actually determined more by what happens outside the clinic uh, and hospital than what actually happens in them. And so I, you know, first uh, started, you know, in medical school, you learn all about kind of the physiological pathology, physiology, pathophysiology, but the kind of focus on these social determinants isn't uh, really part of uh, the standard curriculum, at least it wasn't as much back when I was in medical school. And uh, the way I first got exposed to that was through interaction with SNMA, which is the Student National Medical Association. It's uh, a medical association for um, and, and led by students of color. Um, it's kind of the student branch of the NMA, the National Medical Association, which historically existed because uh, uh, black and brown physicians weren't given the same access and benefits to the American Medical Association um, and, and so formed our own so we could um, have access and privileges and the things that uh, came with uh, the collegialship and education of a, a medical association. And so when I was in undergrad, I actually was uh, the president of the MAPS chapter, which is the Minority Association of Pre-Health Students, which is kind of like the undergrad branch. And so it was very natural to me to be involved in the uh, SNMA uh, chapter um, in, in medical school. And, and so that really kind of um, started uh, showing me the impact of community engagement um, and, and looking for ways that physicians could um, kind of do more than uh, work just within our clinics and our hospitals, but really uh, engage with the community around some of these social determinants of health and how that could really uh, have impacts you know, further beyond uh, just uh, treating colds and coughs and, and things that patients uh, come in with usually expecting to you know, have their doctor handle. Okay. 
So thank you for um, for for that that additional additional information. So I'm just wondering how how have you found in your work that reading early childhood literacy is tied to the so to what you call social determinants of health and o- the ultimate overall wellness and health of children and families. Yeah. So um, some of some of the um, my initial work with SMA was trying to increase uh, how many uh, prepared applicants for to medical school from underrepresented communities. Uh, so mostly black and brown, but also some of our uh, Asian immigrants and Hispanic, um, Native American, Indigenous people communities. And uh, I started working with high school students when I was in undergrad, but you would, uh, or sorry, when I was in medical school, but it was, you know, apparent that you, you kind of waited until high school uh, that there was a lot of students who um, just wouldn't be able to catch up um, in time or the, the mountain for them to climb would be much higher. And so that's when I learned about Reach Out and Read and its impact on early literacy um, and kind of kindergarten preparedness. It really kind of opened my eyes to um, how, you know, if we really are trying to increase the pipeline um, of qualified applicants to medical school, competitive applicants to medical school from these underrepresented populations, we have to start as early as possible. Um, and when I kind of dug in more, you know, the evidence uh, shows us that if you show up to kindergarten uh, on, without the skills ready to read, um, about 88% of those uh, students will struggle uh, with reading um, and learning to read in first grade. And uh, that will linger on into fourth grade. Um, and if you can't read uh, or have continued to struggle with reading uh, by the end of fourth grade, that's the transition from learning to read to reading to learn. And uh, therefore, we see up to two-thirds of uh, children are likely going to end up in jail or on welfare um, if you continue to fail in fourth grade reading. And so uh, there's just so many um, kind of determinants of of more just than your health, your kind of life time trajectory, your potential um, that are connected to literacy. Uh, and then on the internist, so I'm an internist as well. Uh, and so uh, one of the areas that um, kind of I became interested in once I started learning more about early literacy was the impact of health literacy. And that's how we kind of interpret the information and navigate the healthcare system. And um, on the adult side, we know that patients that struggle with health literacy have uh, higher rates of complications, hospitalizations, more medication errors, um, and, and there's a whole. They they usually do worse with their management of their chronic diseases. Um, and so, uh, you know, literacy kind of impacts us at every level, uh, whether it's our education, how we navigate through um, our society or our healthcare system. I always find that so amazing that, you know, the importance of reading, right, and, and its its connection to so many different things. And then even, like you said, putting it in the context of really a determinant of health and well-being is education, right? And that and the, so the roots of that education comes from being able to read. But as a pediatrician, I mean, I'm, I am familiar with <clears throat> so reach out and read, being a, being a pediatrician, but I don't really see um see a lot of younger kids, but I'm just wondering how the impact, you know, you've really, I think, done a great job of outlining the impact and the importance of reading for kids, but how, how does that family dynamic work? How does, how does that help even with the family dynamic and health and wellness or just, just family time? Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
if you can think back to maybe some of your own earliest memories of reading, um, often it's in the parent or the lap of a parent or the lap of a grandparent or um, you know a loving, caring adult, and uh, and so that's I think part of the the real uh, magic behind uh, these moments is that uh, there is this shared. Um, benefit of uh, stress relief. Uh, and, and so we know, you know some of our evidence shows us that um, children uh, who are read to, it can be a buffer against toxic stress. Um, uh, even, you know, some of the toxic stress from uh, things uh, like lead poisoning. And then uh, for parents, uh, there's that similar shared feeling. Uh, and, and so we know parents that uh, engage in more of that shared book reading, uh, they have uh, decreased anxiety. They feel decreased stress about their parenting. They actually feel more confidence in their parenting. And it does help actually even the connection with their pediatrician or their provider. They find that their provider is, um, you know, more helpful. Uh, they're more likely to go back to that provider, um, and, and so uh, there's a lot of um, deeper connections there around that shared uh, time around you know, sitting on your lap, uh, reading a story, sharing a story, and and the program is, you know, so much more than just a book giveaway. Um, it, it really is how do you read and what are like the tools and tips you can do to read with a six-month-old versus a two-year-old versus a five-year-old because uh, as any parents can tell you, any pediatrician can tell you that uh, their level of interest and in activity is a lot different along those lines. And so um, finding different ways to integrate it into your routine um, is very helpful. And then pointing out skills that parents might already be doing, but kind of giving them the language to kind of describe the development that they're working on uh, is also helpful. So not only are you a pediatrician, you're also a dad. So how have you kind of used some of the skills that you've learned from, you know, your practice um, and working with Reach Out and Read to sort of help, um, help with your parenting and your interactions with your son? Yeah, so um, certainly I've uh, been super interested in um, kind of putting some of the, all this I've been talking about for years into practice. I've got a two-year-old, um, and I, he, our, our journey to parenthood was a little rocky, and so my, um, my wife's water broke at 25 weeks, and so she was on bed rest for seven weeks. Um, and one of the things that we did, um, she was hospitalized because of the water being broken, and so one of the things we did um, was we read to our guy as uh, he was sitting there in the hospital bed with, uh, or in mom in the hospital bed, um, and that came kind of became one of our first like family uh, routines and traditions. Is um, that, you know we read through I think it was uh, the Harry Potter um, uh, screenplay or the the play. Um, that J.K. Rowling wrote uh, uh, kind of a sequel, if you will, to Harry Potter. And so um, and so from the very beginning, uh, that's kind of been a, a part of my parenthood story. And uh, since, you know, he's arrived, we've um, been reading uh, daily, multiple times a day. I've uh, it's, it's been helpful to me to use it as kind of a, a way that particularly now that he's a toddler to distract him. And so, um, you know, cause he, he loves books. Um, and he has certain books that he like, loves the most currently. Uh, he's really into Batman books and uh, a truck book. And so, um, uh, as, uh, many parents might 
remember at this age, you know, diaper changes can be a, a big struggle. And so we've, I've, you know, found it helpful to ask him to pick a book for his diaper change and we'll uh, have him look at his book while we kind of quick change his diaper. And, and then, you know, using books as we go around town, um, doing errands and stuff to, you know, have that in our bag um, to kind of avoid uh, using screens too much. We do use screens, but we, we try to, um, you know, kind of avoid ha- having that be the, the one and only thing to, to kind of get his attention. And so, yeah, I think it's it's certainly, um, you know, I was already going to be a, a big fan of books. Uh, I, uh, I joke one of my favorite books growing up was the Encyclopedia, <laughs> and I, I would I would just read that um, for hours. Uh, I had like my you know specific volumes I like to see because my father's from Cameroon, and so I like reading all about uh, Cameroon over and over. Um, and uh, I liked uh, dinosaurs, obviously, so D was a, a big one. But reading was like a big part of my growing up, and so I, I knew that was going to uh, be a big part of my parenting as well. I think that's awesome. I mean, I, my kids are, as I've said in you know, um, a couple episodes, my kids are older now, but even as they are teenagers and adults, I still try to promote, you know, like, oh, that's a good book to read. <laughs> and it, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I, I like to, I, you know, encourage um, parents and teens to like, uh, particularly over the summer months where you might uh, have, find it harder to get them to read is like have a family book club um, where, you know, everyone's going to read the same book and then you talk about it. And it can be a good way to talk about some of these more you know difficult topics Um uh, and so I think, you know, that's something that um, we did a little bit growing up that I think, I think was also you know, helpful to keep those connections going as teenagers kind of start to find their own way and maybe not want to be around parents as much. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that. But I think what's been interesting, and I think my, my youngest son would be okay with me sharing this, is that um, he really he really likes um, one of the rappers, Logic? But I guess Logic is not mm-hmm. just a rapper. He actually has a new book out. It's called um, Supermarket or something. No, and, I didn't know. Yeah. And so my son is is reading the book and will occasionally you know tell me, oh, this is what's going on. And it's like you know, and he'll sh- and he'll share the book. So I'm waiting mm-hmm. waiting for him to finish so I get to read the book. So <laughs> I mean, I think it's amazing how you know all these interactions, right? You know, going from a rapper to writing a book and it's okay if that's the connection and that's what's going to get him engaged in reading that book I'm all for it yeah and I, for kids that get a little bit older you know um, I, I'm a little biased because I'm a huge comic book nerd mm-hmm. but uh, we, we often talk about things like comic books as a gateway to literacy um, because uh, they can capture the imagination and then um, you know Children start looking for other books in that kind of general genre to you know learn more about the stories and maybe the artwork from the comic books isn't as important um, and and so there's a lot of ways to get you know reading into your routines and and make it fun. So I wanted to sort of you know circle back to another another part of the work that you do and that's regarding racial and health equity and how a lot of your work you know using um, your platform with Reach Out and Read sort of ties in with much of your health equity work. And I was wondering if you could mm-hmm. share a little bit about how, how that ties in and why, why, it was, why it is important for you as a, as a provider um, to be involved in health equity and addressing racial, racial and health equity. Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, working with Reach Out and Read um, has really kind of focused a lot of my advocacy initially on early childhood. And, and from that, it can come 
to the, the lens that, you know, so much of our trajectory is um, set up in those uh, early years. Um, and, and so a lot of these deep disparities we see um, between our children of color and other children, um, you know, start early. And, and that's the place to start addressing them for to really impact long term change. Um, you know, and, and, and I think one one part of that, too, is um, you know, Diane Halsey, who's um, uh, a vice president at a, a nonprofit here in Minnesota called Think Small. Uh, she talks about how there's not just like an opportunity gap between uh, black and brown children and white children, but there's also this you know belief gap where we've talked so much about these you know, dreadful statistics facing people of color and, and people from low-income backgrounds that... Um, you know, there's this almost kind of uh, inevitability, um, uh, and that can, that's an additional barrier to success. And so, um, you know, this is an unconscious message that's sent not only to our black and brown children, but to the white children too. And so, um, finding ways to you know address that um, uh, early on, I, I think, is very important. I do think you know books offer one of that those ways. Um, we have a, a pediatrician down in Mayo, um, Dr. Sarah Tuna Jay, who's you know interested in looking at the impact of giving books to children that tell their culture stories as a, a way of um, in, in, in kind of um, working on cultural pride reinforcement, which I know previous guests of yours have kind of talked more about, and certainly more experts on than I. But um, you know, using this kind of early time to have some of these conversations and and uh, address um, things. Things like uh, what are we doing around racial socialization, uh, whether we are uh, recognize it or not, and having these conversations not just with the parents of um, you know black and brown children, but the parents of white children, because um, you know, that it's really important to address racism. That that's work that we all do. I think that's I think that's really important, and I think what you do every day in promoting um, books is amazing, and I think what. What's also great is that Reach Out and Read has has book lists, you know, mm-hmm. for parents on different topics. And I was wondering, does each chapter have have these book lists, or is there the main Reach Out and Reach Reach side Reach Out and Read site have um, book lists? So the, yeah, the the most um, I think up to date ones are from the main Reach Out and Read. Uh, national center, um, but each uh, state um, or chapter um, that might have their own or you know um, connections to their local community. And so, um, in Minnesota, we have a really good uh, library system in Hennepin County, which is the county that Minneapolis is in, and uh, they've uh, often put together great book lists that you know we um, amplify as well. Um, and, and so each kind of local chapter has come up with their own way, but I think the, the National Center's book lists are a great place to start. And also, I've read recently that Reach Out and Read has some great partnerships with local libraries and librarians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the like uh, we reach out and read program, you know, beyond the interaction with the physician or um, 
nurse practitioner and the family, uh, we promote what we call literacy-rich environments. And so that's um, having a lot of books and um, kind of signage about the importance of reading around the clinic. And then in our highest performing clinics, um, they actually have connections with their local libraries. And, and so in my clinic, um, you can sign up for a library card. Uh, we uh, give over the summer months a, uh, a handout that kind of lists the different um, reading and story times and other activities that the library is sponsoring throughout the summer um, so that parents uh, can get connected to that. And, and that's just a, a way of acknowledging that um, it's great that uh, our patients are getting a book. Uh, would be even better if we kind of get them access to more books as and you know other people that are experts and you know often say you love books about dragons or you love books about space or monkeys or what have you um, go talk to your librarian I'm sure they can find more for your child uh, to enjoy. So since you're an advocate, I advocate for for literacy and reading. Are there any books that? That you that you're loving to read now, or that you'd recommend um, for parents um, to read with their kids? Yeah, so um, so I, I've been kind of reading um, a lot of uh, kind of books around um, racial equity and, um, and and kind of looking and digging more into kind of racial socialization. Um, and so um, certainly um, White Fragility uh, has been a book um, uh, on my list for some time that I'm just starting to get into. Um, there's one um, finishing up called A Winner's Take All um, that uh, talks about how uh, wealth is redistributed. Um, and then uh, I read Michelle Obama's uh, Becoming um, with my wife, which is uh, a great, a great piece for people to check out. I think as far as children's books, um, uh, so my uh, kiddo really loves, I said, like, just a book about trucks, but um, uh, one of the other books he's been really into is uh, Please, Baby, Please, which is uh, uh, written by Spike Lee and Tanya Lewis Lee, his wife. Um, I really like the Little Blue Truck series. Um, uh, and then uh, over um, uh, uh, Black History Month, we... Um, read uh, Young, Black, and Proud, uh, which is um, uh, a great book that kind of hit, goes through uh, about 50 or so different um, figures in uh, American history and, uh, and uh, the world history that are black and kind of talks about their contributions. And it's not... Um, not just the typical, um, you know, uh, George Carver Washington, um, um, you know, Booker T. Washington, um, Martin Luther King, but it's a lot of other um, historical figures that um, you might not have heard of as much before. Um, so uh, that is a book that's been really a great find. And then um, there's another one we found at uh, the um, National... Um, Museum of African American History and Culture um, called uh, Africa is Not a Country. And so, as I kind of talked about before, my family is from uh, Cameroon in West Africa. Um, and it goes through and it um, details kind of the differences in each different country within Africa and kind of, kind of really points out how these are all so many um, wonderfully different um, cultures. There's certainly some overlap and similarities, but um, kind of the idea that Africa is just like one um, homogenous uh, country is one that uh, 
can be quite frustrating when you're from there, and and uh, and so it's kind of a, been a nice way to kind of talk about that um, with some really beautifully illustrated pictures. So it sounds, <clears throat> so it sounds like you really, you know, you really are taken taking your role as a pediatrician dad advocate, you know, advocate for reading and early literacy, um, really to heart, which I think is, which I think is wonderful and really illustrating, you know, I think why it's important, you know, why books are so important and the, and the role that they can play in terms of, like you said, kind of reinforcing cultural pride or mm-hmm. having, have, you know, reflecting back, um, other, other experiences or child's lived experiences, which I think, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's something that I'm, I've uh, been much more intentional about knowing that, um, uh, you know, my dad, uh, you know, grew up as uh, in Africa and in, in Cameroon and was um, and the majority, you know, he didn't really, I think, experience racism until he came here. And, and so um, I think moving through uh, his parenthood journey, uh, kind of, I that being a kind of a main thing of talking about race or making decisions on where you live or where your kids go to school based on those type of experiences, um, it just wasn't on his radar. And it's led to some kind of interesting kind of conversations with him and my mom about, you know, why they chose where we went to school and, and where we lived. And I really did grow up mostly in um, predominantly white uh, communities. Um, and then that kind of as a, it's a biracial uh child and now adult did lead to a lot of uh, kind of, I think, stress and um, kind of questioning um, my identity. And, and and so wanting to, you know, now my son's um, biracial as well, but um, he's even lighter than I am. And so, um, you know, we, we were very intentional about, you know, how we, what name we gave him. So his name is Nchare, which is uh, Cameroonian name, um, uh, so he has that anchor to his uh, identity, and, and we're being very intentional about kind of where he goes to daycare and where he'll go to school and, and things like that. But um, uh, it really has, um, I think, informed and uh, you know impacted our decisions as parents, you know, much more I think than um, my parents ever uh, took into consideration. And I think it helps having pediatricians that. And that's why, you know, I, I have loved having um, my guests, either pediatrician, you know, pe- fellow pediatricians like yourself or working with um, psychologists or educators. Is that one that a, a lot of times you all as guests not only bring your expertise, you also bring the role of parents with you. So which, which I think is kind of like unveils that, you know, as individuals, as pediatricians, right, as child health experts, we still have some struggles that we also have to deal with with our kids and what tools and what resources are we using as well, which I think is very helpful. Yeah, and it's really, I think, um, and certainly I kind of like, I remember kind of cringing when I wasn't a father about like um, parents being better pediatricians or not. Um, I think it's more of that perspective uh, of kind of some lived uh, practical talent uh, experience uh, that you can pass on um, certainly has kind of caused me to look um, 
to, you know, what are some good resources that I can pass on to parents that I'm using. And so I'm, and I've, so I've started over the last 18 months or so, um, you know, at my three-year checkups talking about how children start understanding differences like race at this age and that, uh, you know, as parents, there's things that intentionally and unintentionally we can be passing on about race and that uh, there's a couple good, great websites to kind of read some articles and interact with other parents. And so I generally uh, re uh, refer parents to embrace race um, as well as raising race-conscious children um, at, at that stage. And then um, as children enter school, uh, um, kind of talking about how, you know, our black and brown children often uh, are demonstrating the same type of behaviors as white children um, um, and Asian children, but for um, reasons related to bias, um, they often end up getting punished for behavior that's actually developmentally normal. And so, um, you know, if parents end up uh, finding that they're going to that school often and school's not listening to the fact that their child is acting just fine at home, but seems to be keeping in trouble in school, you know, reaching out to us so that we can kind of help talk about whether it's developmentally appropriate, the type of behavior they're punishing. And, and those are conversations I honestly wasn't having, uh, you know, two years ago. Um, and really this, this journey through parenthood um, has helped inform that. And I think you, I think you did, you brought up a good point. Some of, some of my guests, they haven't said that they're parents, so I probably I probably shouldn't say shouldn't generalize and say they're all parents. But I think maybe what I should say is your personal experiences, your personal lived experiences as a person of color or just a human being who is very much um, attuned to, you know, the impact that racism, explicit, implicit has on um, family dynamics and growing developmentally, you know, de how kids develop and how they become aware of themselves and their environments. And ultimately, like you said, I think these impact health as well. Um, racism and, and, um, these types of, ex these trauma experiences do impact health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do like that kind of talking about those experiences because even if, um, you don't have children of your own through whatever reason. Um, there's often children in your life that are very dear and near to you, whether they be nieces, nephews, to, uh, you know, children of friends um, or close other other close family. And so I think there's uh, a lot that to be shared and learned from all. So, Dr. Nate, I know you are very much active on social media. So, if our mm -hmm. listeners want to learn more about you and your work with Reach Out and Read, what are the best ways that they can uh, reach out to you or learn more about you? Yeah, so um, on Twitter, I'm at uh, Chomolo, MD, so my last name, MD. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page, uh, Dr. Nathan Chomolo, um, uh, where I have um, kind of more long-form discussions um, about some of these topics and kind of share um, kind of some of my favorite books at the moment or um, some you know favorite uh, tips around early literacy in particular um and yeah and so that's that's been a great place to both um kind of share thoughts and ideas but really connect others and kind of um be really put in awe of the amazing work that's being done um around the country uh, really to kind of address race in multiple ways from our educational system to um how we practice um all right. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Nate. Thank you again, Jackie, for having me. Thanks for doing this podcast. It's really been great to, to be a listener to me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of What is Black Podcast. As always, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also on anywhere you like to listen to um, to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. You can find us everywhere. So don't miss a another episode. Tell a friend and we'll look forward to talking with you soon.